0: Sarah, welcome to Creative Reboot.
1: Hello lovely creative souls. Today we're coming to your earphones with another fabulous guest, this time the lovely Alison Grade. She's a career freelancer and serial entrepreneur, author of the Freelance Bible, and she transforms creative ideas into business reality, and we love the sound of all of this. Welcome Alison, thank you so much for joining us, it's lovely to have you here.
2: Oh hi everyone, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, thanks for having me on the show.
1: Yay. <laughs> hey! you're so welcome. So I'm going to launch straight in and ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do to start. Yeah, so you've already introduced I transform creative ideas into a business reality.
2: And really, um, I probably need to explain that a bit, what that actually means, because mm-hmm. actually it's another way of saying I've got a portfolio career, but I found a thread through which I join all the different things up that I do and, and I was thinking about it before I came on the show and thinking, well, actually, pretty much all my career, that's what I've done. I've transformed creative ideas into business reality. It started when I worked first in TV as a production manager. And I had to, I was given, you know, producers talked to me about their idea and they want to get a commission. So it's like, well, how much is it going to cost? So I've got to put a budget together. So I've got to transform that idea into costs, project plan, everything else. So that's really where it started from. And I found the first time I was asked to do that, I was like, wow, I watched somebody do make this budget from this idea. I was like, wow, that's really exciting. That's amazing how you can do that. And that really kind of sparked my energy and insights. And and now, as I kind of spool to where, where I'm at now, that's where the book came from. I, I was working with the university locally to me in Birmingham in the UK and looking at what they were doing for employability across their art, design and media faculty, and just understood that there wasn't support for the freelancers in the way that I would have liked it if I were a student. There was mm. lots of support for business programmes, There was lots of support for students with career services getting jobs. But if you're going to be freelance and let's face it, it's probably about 50% of creative industries. When you look at the stats, um, who's looking after them? The academics, mm. you know, get left to pick up the pieces, but quite often, They're there because they actually don't want to be freelance quite so. So you get to this point. So that was where I thought, well, hang on a minute. I've been freelance for most of my career. I've hired loads of freelancers. I've worked in lots of different ways. I've done long contracts, short contracts, hours here, days there, weeks, projects, you name it. I've done it as a freelancer. So I know quite a lot about this. Maybe I should find out if there's any useful information or look on Amazon. Not much useful information that I'd want to read maybe I could write a book. And that's kind of where it started from. So my books my like proudest moment of that transforming creative ideas into a business reality. But in the other work that I do at the moment, I design training courses, I consult with um, local companies, all of that is about, we've got something that we visualise that we want to do, how do we make it happen? And that's where I come in. And I very much these days stay away from the operational running of things, I set things up, and then I hand them over. I kind of give birth mm. to them, almost. Oh, oh I, I love that. that.
0: That's really interesting. It is like the, the birthing of an idea. You're you're an ideas woman, so which mm. is, I, I think is. I mean, that's for me. That's definitely a. a it's a. There's a, there's something very creative about coming up with ideas, isn't there? And oh, I just. I, mean, how, uh, my, I think my first question there, then, because you say you kind of birth them and then you let other people. T- how do you let them go? Because I think that is the thing I always struggle with the most. Um,
2: yeah, no, I have struggled with it in the past, but I do have to be very strict with myself now, because I certainly found through the sort of two, three years that it took to get get the book from an idea to a reality. And particularly during the early writing phase, I really found that. I had to be really disciplined about that real deep thinking, strategic writing type of work and that operational work. And I literally for the writing of the book, I've actually become a real early bird now because that's the time where I can really get get work done really quietly. There aren't emails coming in. So I became really aware that. There was I, I found it difficult to switch between that operational and that strategic thinking piece. So I've made a conscious decision to really focus on the more strategic side of things so that I don't take on too many operational projects because of that. And I know that I'm a bit too expensive to do that these days as well. So, <laughs> it, you know, it, it works. It works well for everyone.
1: I feel like that's that I really like. I like the thing that actually resonated the most is you said you make things happen, which I think is wonderful. Mm. And actually we talked, um, I'm sure we've talked on here before, but we talked quite a lot about making sure that you have time to work on your business as well as in your business. And I feel like that's exactly what you've just described, isn't it? You do the on and other people do the in, but by you working on it, they can work in it better. Does that sort of sound accurate? Oh, Oh, completely. And I mean, that's music to
2: my ears, because in a way, my book is all about you go to university, you you are a freelancer, you want to be a freelancer, you've got a thing that you can do. You've got that skill, you've got that service that you can offer. My book is that wrapper that enables you to make it happen. That's the working on bit and it takes you through that journey. So, yeah,
0: absolutely. So I have a question then, totally off track, so um, take a second to think about it. <laughs> um, how, it. It's a conversation I have with a lot of people. Some people describe themselves as entrepreneurs, some people say they're part-time, they're side hustlers, they're um, small business owners. I've always used the term freelancer, but what would you kind of define that as? What, why freelancer over something else?
2: Uh, For me, um, and it came to me as I was writing the book, because I've worked a lot with creative entrepreneurs. Uh, I work with Nesta and the British Council training creative entrepreneurs internationally. And as I started writing the book, I realised what was different from in the freelance Bible to um, the creative entrepreneurship work I'd done with Nesta and um, British Council was very much that freelancers sell their services and you know, they work they tend to work by themselves selling their services. So that person that I had in mind when they were writing their book was selling their services, whereas that entrepreneur, you know, traditionally, is somebody who's making products, particularly in creative industry, you're the designer maker, you're the fashion, fashion designer, whatever it is, but it's about products on the shelf. It's about B2C. For me, freelancers are much more about that B2B and using their kind of brain and their knowledge to deliver that service for the client
0: well that's interesting it's quite interesting to hear it described that way actually thank you yeah
1: and it, thank you yeah no and a really interesting definition actually is I, i've actually always used um portfolio careerist because i do 20 different notes about five now but you know many different things and i think actually freelancing lends itself really well to that because you can fit it in and out mm. um but when i started my career um i worked at a newspaper and um there were lots of freelancers there and i think they use the term in a slightly different way so i've I'm, i've learned a thing today. Um, yeah. <laughs> (laughs) interesting so I like like, it I like your definition that kind of
0: uh, uh, makes me wonder the question then so did you actually choose to be a freelancer Alison or was it something that you fell into how did it how did it come about tell us a little bit about how it kind of began
2: so um when I was leaving university
0: I kind of stuck my head
2: into like the the milk round to see the jobs that were there and I took one look in and went "Uh oh this is not for me this is not where I'm going it looks nothing grabbed your
0: interest there
2: (laughs) no I didn't I probably didn't give it its fairest shot but no um it really wasn't for me and you know I was at Cambridge so you know it was very traditional you know really amazing companies there but just not for me um, you know I've got my uh, media film and tv yeah, it's absolutely in the genes in my family so I was just like well I just want to give it a shot and see what I can do and I figured I could always get a boring job later so you know, let's,
1: um, <laughs> yes the boring you know, job is the backup <laughs>
2: yes. yeah well you know I had a good degree I had a brain uh, I figured I'd find something else something to do but you know um, absolutely what did you what did you study can I just interject that's fine um I actually um did maths physics and chemistry street a level oh wow um, okay and i got in to be uh, a natural scientist at cambridge um and then mm. i kind of saw the light through um a boyfriend <laughs> over the summer before um going up to cambridge i think much to my parents horror um particularly i mean he's a fabulous guy but he actually had been at cambridge for two years I've uh, been at very traditional London school and just walked out of his second year exams and never went back. I was at this point studying at NYU, so um, at film school at NYU. So I don't think they were very impressed when I sort of met him <laughs> um, five minutes before going up to Cambridge and then announced that I was changing to social and political sciences and I was going to do much more interesting things. Um, so really love that. It's a really good story. So I did. I, I did SPS for a couple of years, but I finally graduated in management studies and I think that really helped me with just that kind of business thinking. It was the precursor to it was kind of a precursor in those days to the MBA that they run at the Judge Business School now. Um but it was a, a final year option. So I, I did that and I think that set me up really well and um as I said, I just wanted to go into TV and film and see what it was all about. And I knew that I was organised, I knew I could kind of type letters and do that kind of stuff. So I just kind of went around looking for for work. And, and, you know, that work is freelance work, it's short time fixed contracts. So I sort of fell into that project work very quickly and and moved seamlessly from project to project and found myself being in demand and and it just kind of stayed with me and, and I like that project work, I, I get bored otherwise.
0: It's, it sounds very much like, I and mean, we go on here a lot about the creative journey, that it sounds like the career you have is a journey of its own, really, isn't it? You're sort of following what happens and, and, and taking... I mean, how do you come across... How, how do you make the decision, for example, if an idea comes your way and you think, oh, no, I'm not I'm not going to follow that one. I'm going to go somewhere else instead? Oh, i am
2: probably really rubbish at that still. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You should see my to do list. It's a bit long. Um, um, we talk about I that think... all the time. <laughs> we do. Um, I'm I'm increasingly getting more focused. Um, but you know, the the things that you do in those random conversations that you have with people that you have a cup of tea with and you don't really know where they're going, they've often led me to really interesting places later mm. on. And and so I'm kind of tried to be open minded and you know i'm i'm very much a connector of people a lot of the work that i do is with business support and freelancers so it is all about oh you need someone to do that I know someone who can do that I can introduce you to that person so I like to meet lots of people I like to have those conversations you know I get energized by it so I do I do try and 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 find time to do that and obviously it's a bit harder at the moment because I can't actually go out and spend all my money on coffees like I used to but
1: (laughs) do you know I found so because I'm similar I love to meet people and I love to kind of Match the people together for things that they need that they don't know each other, but I know both of them and that. But the amount of money I have saved on coffee, I don't think I'd realised how much I was spending on coffee and cake before. I was like, oh, okay. That is how we met,
0: Carla, isn't it? Over coffee. That is how we met.
1: Yes, coffee and cake. Yeah, definitely. So, Alison, I have a, I have a freelance specific question, which I think, which I've always wondered about, and I think you might be the perfect person to answer. So. For me, one of the things that I struggle with, and I'm sure I'm not alone, is um, trying... In fact, I was talking to someone about this literally today... Having a steady stream of work rather than 83 clients at once and then nothing for two months and then a month where you're so busy you don't even have time to breathe. How, I feel like, I feel like you might be the person to finally how? tell me how? how I can fix this. How does this work? How, how, is there a way Is or is it just a case of, it's not quite feast or famine. I find that the, because I'm really bad at invoicing, I find actually that I live off the deposits and then when it's quiet, I actually get around to invoicing for all the work I've done. So money wise, it's not always a disaster. But it would be really nice to have a more steady stream of work than this, like way. Oh my god, way. Oh my god, constantly. <laughs> so I'd love to know your thoughts on that. So,
2: if you regularly have really busy periods, the first thing that springs to mind from in my head is always put your prices up.
1: Okay. Put your prices
2: up. Okay. So you've got to. You just got to look at the economics of supply and demand. So if you've got, um, if you put if you if it so yeah it's really hard without the graph that's what i'm struggling with okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can send us the graph and we can put it on the show next no, <laughs> but we don't, yeah, we no, can't wave it at you through yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no.
2: okay so let's start. so you know you've got um if you're um if you're having really regularly very busy periods and the first thing that springs to mind and it's particularly prevalent in creative industries is put your prices up Um, It's simple equation of economics that the relationships supply and demand and price. So if 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 you're pricing at the right level for the market, economics says that as you put your prices up, demand will fall as you drop Mm -hmm. your prices. um, Demand will go up. So if you're not pricing at that point, as you put your prices up, demand won't fall off. If you put your prices up and demand falls, well, you're actually earning the same amount of money, but you're doing less work. Mm. But if you put your prices yeah. up and demand stays the same, then that tells you that actually you haven't reached that point in the market where demand will fall. Because the fear is always that people won't want me. But actually, you can be a busy fool and actually people are taking you for granted. <laughs> I think I might put busy fool above my computer in big letters.
1: Oh, that didn't stop. As I said it, I thought, God, that sounds really rude. No, 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 no. that's wonderful. That's exactly exactly the same. We are the both, in price we need. Yeah. <laughs> both in agreement.
0: Yeah,
1: both in agreement. We have actually both. We've both put our prices up quite a lot this year, and so I'm. I think COVID has made everything a bit yeah. topsy turvy this year. And I know there's there's people I'm shooting this month that I should have been shooting in March, and I think that's made it busy. Yeah. Like. It's not it's not an accurate representation mm. of what, sure. what this season would look like for anyone. Yeah. But that, I think, is fantastic advice that I think, as I say, I might put in capital letters somewhere because it's true. There's no point running around being busy. Mm. I think if you're busy and you're still not making enough money, then actually that's. Yeah. yeah. And presumably if you're pricing correctly, then your quiet periods are covered by the busy periods financially. Right.
2: Yeah. And but it those quiet periods allow you time to go out and find the new clients that are paying properly because yes. those clients are paying properly. So I work. I know you guys are photographers and I worked with a wedding photographer quite a few years ago. And she was booked, you know, this is like forget COVID completely. You know, she was booked two years out. And you know what it's like. There's like 13 peak Saturdays in the UK in the summer that you can do it. She's booked to two, two years out. So it's like, well, put your prices right up. So she doubled them. And she was still booked that same part in advance. So she put them up 50% again. It was only at that point the market started to fall off. And she was able to go, well, do you know what? You're a bit too far. I don't really need to do you. Or, you know, whatever. So, you know, that was her parameters or whatever. But, you know, the market can often take a lot more than you believe it can take. But it's about how you express the value that you deliver for your clients because whilst freelance we I've you know I have said freelancers are selling their their brain power, their services to their clients, I try and move the conversation away from directly trading time for money and really think about the value that you add to your client by doing what you do so am i adding to their sales top line is that going to enable them to get more sales in their company because if it is that's worth more than my day rate if i'm saving them money on their bottom line and their productivity that again that's worth more than my day rate if i'm bringing a creative vision if i'm doing a strategic development to get them into a new market that's worth much more than my day rate. So what value am I actually adding to that business? And how do I discuss what I do in that context, rather than Oh, this is my day rate, how many days do you want? Because we're then talking about what impact I'm having on their business for their business.
1: And that's massive mindset shift, actually, isn't but it? a really valuable one, I think, isn't it? I feel really like that deserves a round
0: of applause. It. That's fantastic, honestly. I
1: love that's that. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that too. Wow. Um, and just as you're saying it, my brain's going, ooh, ooh, I like. And it's, it's so silly as well, isn't it? Because you read things, but I think sometimes when you um when you're in business for yourself and you're you're running everything by yourself you read articles and you look at training courses and you do, but actually sometimes it takes having a conversation with someone for it to really go in mm. um and i think that's yeah that's an amazing um I really like that. Sorry. You've got you've yeah. all these light. Can you see all the light bulbs? <laughs> i right <off> head. <laughs> <laughs> should, should I mob another
2: one in for you as well? Oh, go on. Yes, think, go on. Yes, I think, please. I think this one will really resonate with you. And it's one of my favourite things to do in a meeting. And it works when you're doing like B2B or B2C is um, when I pitch myself in with a price to a client, I, I pitch the price in and then I listen for the that sharp intake of breath um to see what to see if i can hear that because if i've pitched it at the sharp intake of breath level i know that i've pitched it at the right level because they go oh that's a really good pitch oh it's at the stretchy end but she's made a really compelling argument for the value that she's gonna add um and yeah there's room for negotiation but you know this, this is really going to add value. And, and so now if I go into a meeting and I pitch and I don't hear that, I'm like, oh, bollocks,
0: I've left money on the table. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it i also so do you always oh sorry go on. i was just gonna say normally i hear that sharp intake of breath and think oh god i'm too expensive i need to bring my
1: prices down so I, I was gonna say yeah this is yeah to i would change kind of it around same, and make so... it that positive really a much more of a like, positive oh, yeah. oh i like you i can can we stretch to yeah, you yeah, yeah i like yeah. this but, do you always price by project rather than by day or hour or time then and is does that is that a thing that or is that does that vary by job or how does that
2: yeah it depends um, it depends on the client um more and more more i try and price by the project but equally there's a comfort on both sides to give an estimate of the amount of days that you're going to be involved because um you know you just don't especially if it's a new client you Mm. just don't know quite what they think they're reading into that and how much time they're going to get of yours so it, it, it's a fine it's a fine balance how much detail you put in and, mm. and what that looks like um but you know I always very much try and own the process because in my head there's only two reasons why a company would hire a freelancer I mean obviously it's different when you're doing your wedding photography and you're doing b2c but for b2b Either the company needs specialist skills, which they don't need full time in house, so they bring them in when they need them, or they need extra capacity for skills that they have in house. So if I'm going in and in either of those scenarios, I need to own the process and write the proposal of what I'm going to do, because if it's specialist skills. haven't got a clue what actually I can do. So therefore, I need to write the proposal. If it's about extra capacity, well, they're going to be too busy to write it. So I'm never going to get it off the ground. So either way, I have to own that. But that gives me like a blueprint, or, you know, a snapshot of what the plan is. And that always gives me something to go back to, to go, okay, so this is the plan for the project, we've both signed off on this, if it starts moving around, and you get a bit of project creep in there, then you can go. Well, actually, what does, what, what, what? Do you want that bit? Because that's extra, or should we not do that bit? Or this has gone off in this direction. It gives you that comfort of, you know, a place to discuss it, and you've got a map of what you're planning to do. Amazing. I love this.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm just. And this is. Oh, go on. Sorry, I'm, lovely. That, Are you just? I'm just. Everything's just <laughs> fizzing and fermenting in my brain now. So. Fizzing. That, that was. That was a good light bulb to throw in. <laughs> no, I really like this as well because this feels a very. Um, quite different to how most, dare I say, most creatives mm. approach their life and their business. And I'm loving this flipping it on its head and looking at it from this way. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing before we've had a little bit of your history and kind of how you got from there to here and how you developed this wonderful approach that like have you always been this way or have you learned this over time or tell, tell us a little bit like that because I'm I'm fascinated because I so rarely hear fellow fellow creators and fellow business owners speak like this about their work mm. it's always wonderful um
2: I think I think one of the things that I've I've come to realize is and I and I talk about this a lot when I when I talk to people about what skills that they've got and what they can offer as a freelancer and when you really dig down and do a deep skills audit um, is that the things we take for granted in ourselves are the things that people often most value in us. And we can't see those because we take them for granted. So we don't realise that they have value. We just do them. So in some ways, it's really hard for me to answer that question, because this is just the lens I see the world through. Mm -hmm. And this is the way that I operate, if you like. And yes, of course, it's grown and evolved over a period of time. And I've explored it in more detail and thought about it more because I've written a book. But actually, um, the things I take, the way I see the world, the things I take for granted in myself, I, I, I have a blind spot to naturally, because, because that's just how I see the world. So I remember talking to a client recently and saying, you know, what, you know, you come back to me quite a lot, what is it that I do? And they just go, Oh, you're really organized, you know, you get your paperwork in on time. And I just looked at her like she was on crack and
1: thought... (laughs) I mean, that is pretty magical, to be fair. I am permanently late with everything. I cannot work... I do work to deadlines, but I cannot work to a time. If you say leave the house at eight o'clock, I will leave... Twenty past eight ish. Even with the best will in the world, so I I think that's magical. I think that's like unicorn levels of magic. I'm really impressed. But that idea. Of but for you, surprising. that didn't seem weird.
2: I I looked at her like she was on crack and thought, why do you pay these people who who don't get their paperwork the paperwork on time? <laughs> and, and, and why do you keep going back to them if they can't actually do what you want them to do? And you're just constantly chasing them, and they're not they you're paying them and they're not delivering to your satisfaction. Why do you keep repeating it? Why do you do the same thing and expect a different result? So Mm. I looked at it completely like I couldn't compute that they could do that because I take it so for granted in myself that this is just how you should operate yeah whereas you you you've reacted in probably a more normal way
1: (laughs) oh no not at all not at all i I mean it's one of the things obviously one of the reasons i am now self-employed is that i can set my own timelines and um it was something that i mean my bosses um always said you know "We, we we love your work just wish you'd be a little bit better at timekeeping i know you can't have it both ways right so (laughs) but i totally understand where you're coming from and i think i think yeah i just as again i'm just loving i'm loving everything everything you're saying is setting light bulbs off above my head and i love it um yeah okay so how did you get from um from from where you were to where you are how how did your journey evolve and anything else you want to tell us that you haven't already told us because we yeah, yeah well I think that
2: comes that I think yes there is and um and it comes into this this kind of part of the question so I did tv production for quite a few years after I left uni and got onto bigger bigger and bolder and better shows and bigger budgets but ultimately I just got a bit bored because I kept being asked the same questions and doing the same thing and I'm not very good when that keeps happening so so uh, I got a bit bored and I thought well I want to work on bigger things more strategic um I'm going to go to business school so I went to took myself off to INSEAD for a year and I did an MBA and I went chasing after the glory MBA job and I think I managed about eight months before I realized that corporate life really wasn't for me (laughs) even even Ah. in the even in the world Yay. of media, um, but at that point I kind of I'd I'd been wrestling with an entrepreneurial idea that I wanted to get off the ground, and I just actually just went oh just fucking do it, Alice and just get on with it, um because when I was at business school, um I had um I was looking at what I was going to do after I left, and it was sort of September two thousand and one when I was doing my job search. And, you know, I had grand ideas. I was going to work in media in New York or, you know, I was going to do something. And of course, nine eleven happened at that point. So, wow. you know, the world just locked down. And, you know, so there the wasn't an option to, to work internationally. So I was like, OK, right back in London, Alison. OK, let's let's stick to London. So I was like, OK, but I don't want to go on the tube every day. That was like my hard and fast. I'm not going on the tube. So I thought, well, <laughs> I could either move Epic. house or I could get a motorbike license. So I thought will be quite fun to get a motorbike license. So let's go and get a motorbike license. Then I can decide later if I want to move house. So got a motorbike license, had a blast, but kind of came away from the experience going, that was the best thing I've ever done to get a motorbike license. But the training could have been done so much better and it was just nagging at me. So in the end, I left the corporate job and set up a a company called Girls Angels and we specialized in teaching women to ride motorbikes. Amazing.
1: oh my god I fucking love that that's so cool <laughs> that's
0: <is> amazing <laughs> I, lo- well, I mean it's just it, I, I feel like actually I'm going to change what I said earlier about it being a journey because it's not is it it's literally one you kind of swing from one thing like so it's I can't even what's the word it's like
1: um <laughs> Sarah is completely inarticulate. I'm a, a words sort of. person
0: and you've completely befuddled words me. Words. <laughs> so, it's like I don't want to say tangents because tangents is wrong but it's like i i feel like there's a i'm gonna walk down this nice path and then hey i'm gonna run right the way across to that one over there and do that one <laughs> i love
1: it I and then i'm gonna take it. like a swing rope right back to the next yes, to yeah, one. no yeah, i love yeah. i love it i love and it each, i think it's um each
0: thing is obviously then building up on your experiences and yeah. uh, and yeah. your knowledge and and all of that oh. kind of stuff as well
1: isn't it and and i love i love that you your commitment to your gut feeling so when you said you know you peaked at milk Ground and you were like oh no and then you chased the kind of mba career and then you did that and you were like oh actually no um i, I love that you've done that because i think a lot of people on our path do do that but i think sometimes it takes them a hell of a lot longer um i mean i leap jobs regularly sarah has moved around and, and done different things but we, we do follow our gut but it's taken us time to learn how to follow our gut and it sounds like you've you followed that Don't instinct pretty one. much from day yeah, dot. Exactly. Yeah, which is amazing. Um, and you knew what you wanted and what you didn't. And so you just went after it wholeheartedly and did the thing you wanted to do. And I think that's fantastic.
2: Yeah, I probably should have been a bit more thought it through a bit more but no. um,
1: nah. the word should is banned from this <laughs> oh yeah if, no, if you say if you right. think you should then we don't we don't do shoulds no, we no, don't that, do shoulds, that's,
2: so that's fair enough I, I do ban that's myself so, from
1: that as well <laughs> <laughs> is Girls Angels still running is that still something that you oh, do no or have you... I, I sold it in a
2: trade sale after about three years to another motorbike training school um mm, and that's, that's when I moved it. out of London um but it was okay. it was an amazing experience to set it up you know because um, I was such a newbie to motorbiking at the time that I didn't even have enough experience to run the training courses and deliver them so I was completely <laughs> at the mercy of my instructors and a lot of them had come to motorbike training because they they they, they decided that they'd rather live and not be a motorbike courier in London um, and and, <laughs> and they'd often go out and get laddered on a friday night and then decide that getting up and teaching people was not really worth it so it was challenging um (laughs) managing them
1: Um, but it was an amazing
2: experience and i think when i think about all of the different tv companies i worked in before before going to business school the business school experience and then running my own company it's all of those things that have come together plus then more recently doing lots of work with creative entrepreneurs really has fed into everything because I've seen so many different companies do the same thing in different ways, because the same job as a production manager in five production companies is run completely differently, even though it's the same job title. Um, Mm. So I had that I then had the formal education. And then I had the get your hands really dirty and just make it happen. And and that's kind of the kind of experience and knowledge that I kind of put into the book, if you like.
1: Yeah. I, f- I feel like we're gonna when we talk about you on on later episodes, and we refer back to this. I think we're gonna be like, do you remember Alison, the make it happen woman? <laughs> that one. Yes. She made everything happen like that. That is oh, yeah. it's I just love it. Yeah. Tagline
0: definitely. Um, well, I think that's it yeah, it's great. Oh yeah. I, I have to. I, I our do our have question. to.
1: Okay, well
2: I do have to say that um my company that I trade through is actually called Mission Accomplished.
1: Oh I love it. <laughs> there there go.
2: we
0: go. <laughs> fabulous. So yes. A woman who that knows her brilliant. own tagline, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so I think this kind of brings us round to my absolute favourite question that we always ask everybody. Out of everything so far, what has been your most glorious moment?
2: I think the most glorious moment in all of this was, you know, the day I got offered a publishing deal from Penguin because that really validated um, a lot of hard work. And, you know, my biggest speculative project to date, and it was you know i i'm not someone who saw themselves as a writer you know i got my english o levels and stuff but i was you know i did my maths physics and chemistry i was told i was the kid that couldn't write if you like but i was at an academic school so not being able to write meant getting a b in english not an a which i kind of realized later on actually meant that i probably could (laughs) Could write (laughs) but but it gets ingrained in you you're the kid that's good Mm. at maths and science you're not going to pursue english you're you know Mm. so i never really thought that and i knew I could like write for business type things and if someone wanted me to write something formal and a proposal I could put that together but I never saw myself in a kind of creative long-form writing way so you know when I was writing the book I literally didn't let my husband read any of it um he didn't read any of it until my mentor had already been through it with some track changes and then I literally Amazing. handed it to him and I left the house <laughs> 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 bless you
1: <laughs> here you go i'm going now i really (laughs) don't don't don't.
2: it was so personal it was so personal yeah it Mm. it you know i can look at it and in some ways it's almost an autobiography wow -hmm. i know it's
1: factual and i know it's practical Mm -hmm. and everything Mm -hmm. else but it's come it's come from you and your experience hasn't it so it's going to have a lot of you in it yeah yeah yeah, of course how long did it take him to read out of interest?
2: oh well i he didn't read it all in one go but so i didn't have to see <laughs> so you were allowed long. to come
1: back to the house i
2: I've, I've <laughs> come back to the house but i couldn't be in the same room it took me a long time to <laughs> oh, to to it felt so personal it felt yeah. so personal
1: i can imagine actually i can imagine i don't i mean i live by myself so i give it to the cats no i don't have to run away it's fine but i i can imagine when you've put that i'm in the process of trying to write um a few books at the probably my problem is trying to write too many at once but I can imagine when they're done like so I'm talking about them lots now because I'm excited because I'm in the process I think once they're done I'm not going to want anyone to read them it's going to be terrifying so I can I can imagine that feeling um but what an amazing what was it like when you first saw it on the shelves like when it first I... when you felt because I know publishing is obviously quite a long process but but when you first was that was that a f- I mean that must have been the best feeling no do you know what
2: It it got published on the 5th of March I haven't really seen it on
1: a bookshelf yet
0: uh of course oh this year oh
1: my goodness okay so yeah i know (laughs) okay i'm gonna do the thing where i go and visit my local bookshop find it and then like accidentally put it forward
0: (laughs) and take a picture and put it (laughs) on instagram as well absolutely absolutely
2: i know i I need to venture into town and find an open bookshop to go and see Mm. um but yeah no it's amazing I'll
1: just check my well, amazon um, um, yes
0: congratulations
1: um, yeah Thank you. and i'm 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 so glad that um all this wonderful knowledge is is in a i mean i love books i am a book f- well both book fiends aren't we so mm-hmm. um i'm always up for more more reading material so i will add that to my list and Definitely. um yeah i'm very excited for that and it's on dot com now as well so it's shipping internationally well, oh there you go sarah so there you go yeah. i won't have to stick it in your care i have to send her care parcels every now and again of stuff she can't get in the uk yeah. um, in canada rather <laughs> less um but yeah fantastic amazing. oh that's no, amazing
0: cool. so if that was your most glorious moment then let's do let's talk about the hard one as well what what out of oh, everything yeah. what have you struggled with most
2: um i was thinking about this and i think for me at the moment, I think the biggest challenge is having always been the producer, the production manager, organising things behind the scenes. I'm now front and centre and, mm. and getting my head round being front and centre. I am the talent. So, you know, the day I walked into um, the voiceover studio where I feel very comfortable, I've done loads of dubs, I've put loads of shows together, we've done voice recordings, I'm always there as the producer. They're like, oh, you're the talent sit down you're reading your book um so you know just going to it just feels different it's very very different and it's 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 sort of owning that space of okay I'm a published author and that means that I am the talent I am the face and I'm really pushing myself out there because that is beyond my traditional comfort zone you know it's one thing being a trainer standing up in a room full of people that's fine but that's not being the talent that's being the hired mm. gun to tell someone something that they need to it's know more that facilitating day. isn't yeah. it yeah yeah so this is about me pushing me it's about you know www.alisongrade.com it's not about (laughs) do you know what I mean it is um and even now when I look at I've just been looking at my website and taking some advice and even now when I look at that I mean I'm I'm actually hiding behind the book it's actually the book that's there it's not me and I'm like oh bollocks I'm gonna have to redo this um (laughs) because it's only now that I'm starting to really own that and and move forwards and that I think for me has been getting my head around that and 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 being comfortable in that is has been has been quite an interesting journey and particularly through lockdown
0: as well yeah oh god yeah because i I, I would presume if it had been any other normal time you probably would have gone and done you know some readings and stuff gone you know taking your book to 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 different what do they call it events yes book tour type thing isn't it really yeah Yeah. so signings and stuff Yeah. yeah yeah signings and all that so you've Perhaps then it's maybe even made your experience of, of all of this slightly different than if it had been any other normal time.
2: Oh, completely. But it's it's been really interesting because actually I've worked with people that I would never have worked with because mm. um, before it would have been oh you know you know because i'm based in birmingham so yeah of course i can get down to london but then events happen in the evening so that becomes yet more you know that's exhausting because like the last trains at like nine o'clock unless you want it to take four hours or you've got to drive or stay over stay over that kind of mm-hmm. stuff so you've got you know i've got people i can always stay with but you know that would have just made certain things just not worth the effort realistically Mm. um or i'd have to have a really good reason and i'd be like can you pay for the train fare can you do this whereas now someone says oh you know like this evening can you hop on for an hour you know that's really straightforward so i've worked with so many more people in so many different ways and and i've learned so much about what i can actually do now as a freelancer as well because actually the kind of clients i can work with are anywhere in the world geography actually is the 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 networks of people that I can work with have completely reformed and reshaped mm-hmm. because of Covid because I can talk to any film school anywhere in the world and I can talk to them about being a film and TV freelancer because I have loads of experience of that and loads of knowledge and you know I've worked with you know Plymouth College of Art. Um, I'd never have gone down to Plymouth. It would never have been justifiable to talk to Plymouth College of Art for an hour. I can do that. Mm. I'm going back next week or in a couple of weeks the days change, but do you know what I mean? Um, but I can work yeah. with anyone, anywhere, and I can bring the knowledge and value and I can add it in a way that's accessible for them and accessible for me and that's really exciting and I don't
1: think It means they get they get the benefit of you where they wouldn't otherwise have been able to because of yeah. like you say, logistics, I guess, yeah. yeah. But mm. I
2: think that translates for so many freelancers and I don't I don't think people have really cottoned onto it yet, you know. Um, my the cover designer for my book, he's a fabulous guy. And a, a Penguin said, oh, well, we want to get a freelancer in to design the cover for the book because that maintains its integrity and its values. And he's a he's a colleague for a letter artist. He's based in Brazil. I found him on Instagram.
0: Wow. He'd never Amazing. done a book before,
2: but he got the gig. So, you know, that sort of work was already going on pre-COVID. What does that mean now?
1: You know, Mm. if you
2: speak three languages and you can conduct business in those languages that you can actually work in those territories in a way that you would never have considered you would work before. So I think I think there's really, really exciting opportunities for freelancers to think really differently about how they can find clients who value their skills and change change their thinking around geography because for me it always used to be can i get home at the end of the day you know how far away are you mm-hmm. uh you know if you want me for an hour but you're four hours away you've got to pay for me for the day and the overnight it's just not going to happen that's mm. all yeah they always just ripped yeah. that piece of paper up
0: that's really interesting isn't it um, um, and yeah. probably the most positive way i've heard anyone heard. talk yeah. about about what's been going on this year as well actually
1: yeah definitely and also sounds like you think it's going to be quite long because t- I've, I've been saying for a while you know i hope that this this is something i'd hoped had been starting the that you know being able to work online being able to work from anywhere all of those kind of things i think covid has you know undoubtedly accelerated that but i'm hoping that it will be a quite permanent change for the world of work like corporate work um but it i think for freelancers like you say the the landscape has changed irrevocably but in a really good way in most ways um and i think um yeah i think i think it's really nice to hear a positive um a positive spin and and i definitely agree with that i think that um for do you think for freelancers even freelancers who need to offer services rather than knowledge or do you think there's space for people who have um who have services to use their knowledge and get that across to more people? Like, how, how do you see that kind of panning out?
2: What's the difference between services and knowledge?
1: Services in the sense of... So I'm thinking, obviously, because we're photographers, so we do need to be physically present to take photos, ideally. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, I'm trying to think of, like... Because, obviously, but, but you know, would it be a case of... So taking photography as an example, because it's a convenient one. Um, you know, would it... Do you, do you think there is still that, um, that scope for us to then go oh actually we could teach some stuff or we could find some clients who don't maybe don't need our specific photos but need our advice on their brand visuals or does that am i i'm not i'm not always very articulate because it's the evening <laughs> no, <laughs> i know what um, i mean in my head it doesn't um, always come out of my mouth no, in quite the I right mean, way
2: for example you know um I, filmmaking's closer for me um than yep. um photography. But, you know, we we've used Zoom and all sorts of platforms to make a whole load of um, short films for one of my client projects during lockdown. And literally my we didn't hire a camera person because we had Zoom and cameras and I had my very bossy producer um, who was very good at getting people to move their chairs and move pieces of furniture and directing operations to get the right shot that she wanted. And and then conducting the interview that way. So we 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 did things differently. So it's really about rethinking the what rethinking the route that you take to get to the end result. And I think certainly because my head's very much in the training space and course design and development is is a lot of the work that i'm doing i'm i'm looking at that and thinking well you know we've taken things that would have been face to face and we've plunked them on zoom and that's been really good and it's worked really well even some really practical filmmaking workshops and things like that but i kind of think well actually going forwards that's not quite enough so how do we think rethink that journey what do people want, how do I make it different enough to YouTube, a learning offering that I'm doing. So so yeah, it's about rethinking that journey that you're trying to get to and how, how do you make that, uh, how do you allow that to add value and my benchmark, my question I always ask myself is, am I adding more value than YouTube can and what I'm doing? Because if I'm not, then they might as well watch YouTube and I need to rethink if I'm basically Mm. doing something I can find on YouTube, then I'm not doing the right thing or I need to curate YouTube and then add value face to face or in an interactive way. So it's it's just rethinking where that is. But, you know, that's those are the questions that I ask myself a lot. That's really interesting.
1: And, yeah and they're really good questions as well i really like this yeah absolutely yeah i feel like
0: um we haven't we've talked obviously a lot about your uh your background the the, the, the journey you've taken so far but talk to us a little bit about um support networks we, we always kind of think as a freelancer or a creative person you're it's not just about you is There's it? um but also how how far would any of us have gotten without a support network? So tell, talk to us a little bit about your support network and how that's kind of helped you. Yeah,
2: so I think for me, that support network is, um, well, pre-COVID was very much around. I used to go to a co-working space quite regularly um, and I did quite a lot of my writing there because it was just nice to have some focus time where I wasn't distracted by the house and I could get my head down and work and um, at, around in a supportive community. So co-working has been really important, but the last couple of years, my husband's been working from home as well. So we've kind of managed to evolve this way of working. So bizarrely lockdown wasn't quite as horrific as it could have been because we'd had about a year of practice. practicing, <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs>
0: um, Fantastic.
2: Beforehand. Um, and... But but yeah, I've got a really close knit core group of freelancers that I work with on a regular basis and they don't work for me exclusively. And I'll pick and choose who who what skills I need, what's going on. Some will work on more than one project. Some will just work on one. But I've definitely got a core group and there's very much there's always a WhatsApp group for the project. There's always a bit of banter going on, that kind of thing. And and lots of them are also friends. So you know we are we check in with each other nobody I, i'd like to think that you know i get the phone call going the kids are sick Da you know i don't you know they're not like trying to go juggle it all and go go mad we, we're all quite upfront with each other and, and help each other out so Brilliant. so that's amazing and then mm. you know just the usual catching up with your mates going out for a beer and just um taking some time out from it to just kind of let off steam be a human not a
0: business owner. exactly yeah also how yes. how do you how do you go about telling all your mates that you're now a, a, a published author i want to know how to do that uh, facebook i think by the way everyone go and buy my book Ta-da. yeah kind of it it sort of
2: it sort of seeped out slowly because there was the sort of the the very inner circle that knew i was writing it um which grew over a period of time as I even had the confidence to say that. And then as I started to get the publishing deal, then, there were more people, but even then I didn't really go particularly large, I don't think, until I saw it on Amazon and I was like, okay, I better, better go large.
1: But this <laughs> is all
2: about me coming to terms with actually being in the limelight rather than yeah, behind the scenes. So absolutely. it was all it was all part of that process. But you know, we did, even though I haven't seen it on the shelves, we did get in a cracking um launch party, which felt like the world's most naughty indulgence, spend a load of money on canapes and booze and, and have <laughs> a, that a sounds gratuitous fantastic. party just because I that is kids. the
1: reason for writing a book oh, absolutely. surely is to have a launch party <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and did you manage to squidge that in before lockdown if yeah you released on yeah, yeah the we March? did we amazing, did amazing um, amazing
2: yeah i did i did something in london just at the end of february and then i had a, uh, a mate's party in birmingham and that it was the it was just starting to become a lockdown casualty because we had to literally um my my editor from Penguin couldn't make it because they just had a blanket ban on unnecessary travel and she her sister had just had a baby and so she was kind of like I need to be a bit at risk of so I was like fine so we did like a, a FaceTime thing and we got her up on a really big, I got borrowed a big screen in the venue and we put her up on FaceTime and she gave her a speech on FaceTime
1: so we were definitely ahead of the curve. Uh... that's lovely yeah brilliant oh that's fantastic I love it and good memory I know I mean I know it's you know not but hopefully I'm sure you'll write other books and then you can do them more normally (laughs) and then this one will forever be my first book that I released just at the beginning of lockdown during during that weird year that was 2020 (laughs) yeah I feel like this is good stories but I'm really glad you got to celebrate it before all the madness hit this Mm -hmm. year so yeah definitely. definitely and I genuinely will um, when I go in fact I will also put requests in I'm not sure how it works for libraries but I used to work in libraries I should probably know this but not in but I will definitely make sure that all my local libraries have a copy I shall request that they buy one because it's important and then oh, other people can benefit and amazing. I think as an author you do get royalties from libraries I just don't quite know the details of how it works but yeah I think that's a really good thing so when I'm bored
2: I should just go and yep. google all the libraries in the UK and just yeah yeah
1: yeah and just request, request to take them out yeah definitely because if they don't have it they can buy it and then once they buy it it stays in their system but um, no I was going to say actually goes back goes back to something you said right at the very beginning about um how you know a lot of careers support places in universities and and other careers and certainly in schools they don't necessarily unless you're going to set up like a franchise or a traditional kind of business there's not the support for freelancers for kind of going it alone for building a business on your own um and I feel like that's that's one of the reasons I would really like to see your book in every shop but also in every library Mm. because I think sometimes it's 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 getting that that possibility to people who maybe haven't been given that possibility as an option yeah does that yeah like oh, yeah i think yeah. and i think that's the power of books that gets you in. you know they may never see you speak but they might just trip over your book and i think that's a really magical brilliant yeah. wonderful thing
2: and, and i think you're right as well i i you know i wrote it for the newbie freelancer the possible freelancer the experienced freelancer But then the more I thought about it, when I thought about the 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 need for kids to understand, like, you know, if you're going to go into creative industries, the chance you're going to be freelance. Actually, I realized that, you know, the parents could really probably do with understanding Mm. that actually Mm. being a freelancer is a viable career choice. You can get a mortgage, you can earn a living, you can have a great time. It's not a failed option because you can't get a job so I think there is a sense of actually I want to wave it at the parents at careers fairs going no trust your child they can follow their dreams
1: yes just because they said they want to be an an artist or a a writer
0: it's fine don't worry but
1: it's um it's a wider audience than than obvious but I I think that that audience for me is is a really key important one because I I think I I mean I was very lucky that I had an entrepreneurial dad um and he always said you know actually having so I got made redundant at 22 from my first freelance job ironically enough um and that was one of my drivers i always knew i wanted to do like you looked at the corporate stuff and was like "Mm, this isn't really what i want but um for me the the support was there from my parents but wasn't there from the kind of wider um so my university people and just even when I I don't know when I sort of said to people oh I want to do this and they were like oh you, originally I wanted to run a gift shop I wanted to have a gift shop that I would run online and have a little shop and live above the shop had it all planned out um including finances and stuff and people said oh you can do that when you retire I was like I'm 23 I don't want to do it when I retire that's a long way away um you know and 10 11 years on I, you know I'm still time it's still quite a long way away you know um so i feel i feel like there's there's definitely a gap in the market for that and i'm really pleased that you've you filled it Absolutely. because um like you say i think people need and actually one of the things dad always used to say to me which i think was very wise is that arguably um I'm not sure he was thrilled when I announced I was going to be a mermaid and that's how I was going to make money because that probably is a bit too niche. <laughs> but um, but he said, you know, having lots of clients is actually more stable than having one employer that can actually let you go at any point. And I hadn't until I got made redundant, hadn't really considered self employment in that way. Um, I just knew I wanted to do my own thing, be my own boss. And um, I think that's a really, you know, what what you're saying is that as a freelancer, you can have everything that They say you need a job for. It is a viable job, it's just a more interesting. And arguably, I would then say more stable one. Mm. Yeah, I like I like this interpretation. Oh, I'm liking that logic. I'm going to gonna throw that one in. Yeah, steal it. Absolutely. absolutely, yeah, yeah. I really like Ready it. For the next I've time. held onto it when I've had wobbles. I've been like, no, it's fine because I've got more than one client. Therefore, I am more stable than when I was in the job that paid me every month. It's fine. <laughs> like, Just keep remembering yeah, that, absolutely. And it's true. It is so true because you can always, if you are working for yourself, you can always go and find more clients. Whereas if you are not, you are kind of stuck in the full-time job if you're in a full-time job you're kind of stuck with you can't go and get another full-time job in between because you don't have enough hours to do that so but i think i think
2: what you get is control as well you're you're Mm, master mistress of your own destiny because it's up to you you're responsible for finding the work and I think that's what I always struggled with as an employee was basically well, probably just being told what to do didn't help. Um, <laughs> I think that's that's a common it's a common thread among our guests actually. It's like none of us like being told what to do. But, but, yeah. but equally the lack of control that you have to find the work for you to do. So if your boss doesn't think that's valid work that you should be doing and actually you're being made redundant, you know, but you think you can do other stuff, yeah. you don't really have a way to go with that whereas as a freelancer what works for me is that you know it is me finding opportunities for me and that does mean i'm stupidly busy sometimes and quite a lot of the time but at the same time i'm in charge of
1: of that so that and i think actually that's a really powerful uh, motivator I think for a lot of people to, to take the plunge is is finally having that or even things like you know I used to get very frustrated um, so I used to have you know often I was busy at work and then equally often there would be times where by like two thirty p.m because I'm quite efficient despite my scattiness I would have finished the work I needed to do for the day there was nothing else that I needed to do or I'd be waiting on someone else before I could do the next bit of the project and i'd just be kind of lurking and so i'd be like well i'm done can i go home they're like no you need to be here like but why there's nothing i'm happy to stay late tomorrow if i need to do but there's literally nothing for me to do and that you know that like you say that control for me was a massive part of why apart from also wanting to do what i loved but but actually yeah that being in charge being in charge
2: is important i just can't bear that sort of wasted time Um, no exactly
1: um totally I could be tackling be a new idea, because... or yeah absolutely yeah. or creating oh. or, or having a nap or seeing your kids oh. or I don't know yeah. doing stuff that yeah. isn't just sitting at a desk staring into space yeah no
2: definitely. i mean, i think um when i w- did a lot more working from home when i was here by myself um you know i i blast through a load of work and about half past 10 i'd get a bit bored and like I'd, i can't know not bored because i'd just be a bit out of... you are an early bird <laughs> I <am. laughs> barely getting going by half past 10 i'm then, well impressed but then I'd, I'd blast a load of stuff off and like you say like you gotta wait for people to come back to you so i'd just go make a cup of tea and run a bath for an hour and then i'd yep. come back to it so i'd have done all yep. of that in my pajamas and yeah. then yep. i'd come back then to get it ready and then yeah. get ready but actually you know, I was incredibly efficient, got it all done. Nobody was any the wiser,
1: and actually, and they they look at you a bit funny in a job if you run a bath <laughs> yeah. in a job if yeah. you put a bathtub in your office. They're a bit like, why are you getting undressed? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, no. and it works, no, and it's
2: raising thinking time, and mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So. That's the sort of stuff that you can do. And and I bet I bet loads of people have discovered this little trick during lockdown as well
0: oh absolutely
1: yeah I've actually a lot of my um employed friends have said to me oh, I'd never really wanted to work from home but I can get when I get up and have my screen break I can put some washing on and then I can put the slow cooker on and then by the time I get to the evening I can have an evening because I've done all the chores in my screen breaks and I was like I know right this is why I like working from home. this is why I've been banging on about for years it's great <laughs> um yeah, yeah it's a really interesting one I think a lot of people have suddenly I mean I do know quite a few people who also hate it I think for some people they just prefer to be in an office and that's very weird but entirely their choice. Um <laughs> no, it's just not not for me. But um yeah, I think a lot of people have suddenly discovered um what, what those of us who have freelanced have known for a really long time. Without <laughs> that sounds really smug when I say it like that. It yeah. didn't sound smug when you said it. But yeah, it, I feel like it's it's a it's an important thing to I think just to know that, that flexibility exists even if you don't use it all the time, is really important, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And I think you've got to know how much communication you need to have with the outside world and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and how how to make that work a kind of I noticed that I think I have a much more extrovert career than my husband does so I have way more zoom calls way more conversations discussions meetings with people. His is much more cerebral in his work and and that kind of thing and that that suits both of our personalities because he's much more mm-hmm. introverted than I am. But I I did suddenly become aware during COVID just that you know I was having a much more like you know busy conversational time and the WhatsApps going and this that and the other. But that's so that's what keeps my energy up. And I've met some amazing people that I've never met face to face and I've had brilliant delivered brilliant projects with them never met them face to face working with them um and it's just great fun and that's just you just go with the flow and
0: that's great
1: i I really love that yeah
0: Yeah. i think i feel like you've given us a ton of advice already (laughs) but (laughs) if there was something you (laughs) had to pick um to advise like our listeners and or i'm going to kind of put these two together because i don't know why we have these separate but um advice that you give to your listeners and but also things that maybe that you would have wanted to know when you started out what what would what would you tell us okay so i think i think there's three
2: things i'm just looking at some notes that i put down at the beginning um i think i would say when you start when you when you first meet a client and you're going to pitch for work treat it like a date you've got to go and date your clients you're looking for people that you want to have a long-term relationship with they need to share your values but equally that courtship ritual is really important you want to get to know them build up that trust so you're not going to um go in and propose marriage on the first date and like (laughs) deliver the world to them over the next five years you've got to get to know each other and do a little project and build up that trust and when you go in equally for that first meeting you've got to believe in yourself as a freelancer You know, Mm. I mean, we've all been on those horrible dates where you just don't feel good about yourself and you feel like you've got desperate tattooed on your forehead. (laughs) And, you know, if you walk into a client meeting and you don't believe in yourself, you're knackered from the start. So you've got to date your clients. And then when you're doing that, don't over-deliver. When they get a project, don't over-deliver because there's one of two things that's going to happen. If you over-deliver... Either they're going to think you're making a mountain out of a molehill because you've overcomplicated what they wanted, or they're going to expect that next time. So mm. you can't go back to the bit you, you can't you can't go back on that. So the next time you pitch and you only do half, you only do what you're actually say you're going to do, they're going to think you've under delivered. And equally, that bit you've over delivered, you probably could have sold to them.
0: True, very true. It's, yeah, that's actually, very you know, true. That's really. I've always gone on the basis of under-promising and over-delivering, so... I'm,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, oh that's made me de- I'm gonna have to rethink everything now. and Yeah, that, I,
1: I don't. If you saw, obviously, you guys listening to this can't see my facial expressions, but that that felt very personal. I know it wasn't personal. I was like, oh, I should. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh damn. Oh damn it. Yeah, maybe maybe it's I'm quite, rethink. Yeah, It's, it's so. quite a hard. It's an interesting one. take. It's quite mm. a hard
2: one to take on board, and I I unpick it in more detail in the book, but it is. Mm. It's really worth thinking about what, but it goes back to what value you're adding to that client and why they're buying you and what they're actually buying in the proposal and what you're delivering, because actually it's much easier to sell them the next thing. I just break it down. It's like, well, there's a whole big project we can do. Let's just do phase one. Let's then. But I can send them the proposal. So it's phase one, phase two, phase three, whatever it wants to be. But actually, yeah. we're just doing phase one, and that's going to cost this. And then at the end of phase one, right, that's going really well, isn't it? Let's do phase two. That's the bit that you'd usually over-deliver into. So that's just the next phase of the project. So, so that's how you build up the relationship with them. Mm, that makes a lot of sense, I actually. I like this. Yeah. This is
1: quite revolutionary, but I really like I
0: feel it. I know what mm-hmm. our reading material is going to be over the next few weeks, Carla. You, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's funny, actually. One of the groups that I'm in has just suggested a... Um, business reading club uh like business book club um and so i'm going to be putting this i mean i think she's got a plan for the first one because it's not my group but um i think i'm going to be putting this one forward uh, possibly buying her a copy and being like hey we should read this read this one this one (laughs) because i would really i'd love to get the other other people's input on it as well yeah i really Mm. like that
2: excellent and i think my final point in all of this is just be a nice person to work with
1: Amen. <laughs> Always good. Amen. Yes. Amen. I like that. So one of my one of my other little things up here, um, along with uh, done is better than perfect and busy fool is going up there, <laughs> is don't be a dick. That's that's yeah. my 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 rule for life and business. Is just don't be a Absolutely. dick. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah, so I agree wholeheartedly. Be nice. Fabulous. Be a nice person to yeah. work with. But if you're
2: chatting to a client and you're up against a couple of other people. And you can all do the work. If they're going to pick the person that they think they can work they with, like. the best. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really good so, advice. So,
2: you know, if you always assume when you walk into a job interview or any client briefing that everyone there can do the job, you're almost just trying to win them
1: over. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And actually, I think that's also from your own point of view, it's much nicer to work with people who get you um you know even my corporate clients are okay with the odd swear which is great because i can't do a four-hour shoot without swearing it's physically impossible <laughs> so <laughs> it's just helpful all around if we know that up front and we're okay mm. with this you know um and yeah i think i think it makes it nicer on both sides then doesn't it and and more likely to lead to more work i would assume which is yeah. always helpful as a freelancer so yeah. mm-hmm. you
2: you deliver yeah. well for them you're a nice person to have around you do what you say you're gonna do yeah. why wouldn't they ask you back and that's exactly. what Absolutely.
0: that's what you're after yeah definitely oh fantastic i feel like that's the perfect <laughs> that so point good. there that's amazing that is... Alison, you've been I so much. yeah oh. i feel well obviously we um we need to give you a little bit of time now to do any plugging at this point so tell us everything <laughs> that you're offering creating any links tell us it, tell us it all mainly so lists anything you want oh, and no. then we'll
1: put links so any specific links we'll put in the show notes Absolutely. as well cool. so tell us tell us everything cool so yeah i mean really it's
2: all about the book and what falls out from that so the book's available on amazon.co.uk amazon.com and other booksellers and it's as uh, a paperback an audiobook which I get to read, and an ebook, so that's all fab. But, um, and also, I'm doing a load of different classes. I'm working with the amazing team of Simon Sinek, who wrote Start With Why, on his oh, US wow. platform, which is awesome. I've just done two classes, I've got another one coming up. It's just been confirmed for October the 24th, so that's really exciting. And amazing. in the UK, I'm working, I'm um, doing a Guardian masterclass with Guardian Newspaper. On the 14th of October so really exciting and I'm just in the process of setting some stuff up to do offer much more mentoring for freelancers than I've been able to do so I'm just really trying to build that up as well so yeah
1: happy to to chat to people about that as well. Fantastic. So, where can we find you online? Where's the best place or places to find you? So, alisongrade.com is the
2: website, and then I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Freelance Bible, and I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter at Alison Grade. So, yeah, come and join me. Nice and easy.
1: Fantastic. We'll link to all of those so you guys, if you're listening, find the show notes, they'll be in there. um That was amazing. Thank it you was. so much. Thank
0: you. That's been absolutely brilliant. I've, I've just, I've I feel like I've not really said much today because I've just been digesting everything. Just absorbing. Yeah, absorbing
2: I know yeah. absorbing all the stuff. Fabulous. Yeah, going to be oh, brilliant. it's a pleasure. So well, I'm, I'm happy to come back for round two in the future when you've compiled another list of questions for me. Please. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. we do. Uh,
1: well, one of the things we'd like to do actually is uh, we were talking about having maybe some um, like multiple guests, like panel um, groups for specific topics, mm. say so things like pricing, that oh. kind of thing. So, we'll, we'll keep you in, in mind for that if you get one of those. No, love, to, really love cool. to. It's been awesome chatting with you guys.
0: Fantastic.
1: Thank you so much thank for joining you. us in the evening as well. Lots and uh, yeah, we'll. So, time for our little bit oh to say gosh, goodbye. the bit that we're really rubbish at still. Oh, God, the <laughs> bit that I feel like it's almost a tradition now that we have to be really bad at this, isn't it? So, <laughs> so you can find us,
0: uh, you can like us, re- rate us, review us, uh, yeah, subscribe. Subscribe, thank you. Um, our website is creativereboot.co
1: and we are on social media at Creative Reboot Co and if you would like to be featured or if you know someone you'd like to be featured or if there's something you'd like us to talk about in one of our chat episodes uh, let us know there is a contact form on the website or you can email us at hello at creativereboot.co and it is .co not .com um, and that probably takes us oh we've got to script this, this we is really so, do every so great right together so bad, every time <laughs> but thanks so much for listening guys and we'll see you next episode thank you bye 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 oh you.
2: Yeah.